Hey, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we're going to watch movies you recommend, and then we're going to tell you how bad they are. Thank you so much for recommending only terrible movies. I'm John. As always, Jeff, sitting right there, mostly looking at Facebook, not even paying attention to what's going on. Huh? Jeff, how are you? What? Huh? Who? Oh, hey. Hi, I'm on. Uh, I'm on Afterthought. That's what we're doing, right? After we're doing it. Uh, yeah, good. That's good. I'm glad. Want to answer some listener questions? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So <laughs> this week, we uh, we are going to watch a movie that I I have seen before, and me too. But I literally do not remember it. I I can only remember one thing of it. And we should probably share those after we discuss what the movie is, the things we remember. Yeah. So the, the movie we are going to watch is The Wizard, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. Not to be confused with The Wiz. Not to be confused with The Wizard of Gore. Not to be confused with the Nickelodeon TV show The Wizards of Waverly Place. No, none of those. Okay. Actually, I think that might be a Disney show. I'm sorry, tweens. Sorry, tweens. I'm just, in general, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about what's going to happen to Social Security. <laughs> mostly. That's mostly what I'm sorry about. Yeah, I'm sorry that all your jobs will have been replaced by robots by the time you're old enough to want a job. Hopefully you revolt and take back the means of production. That would be great. Go ahead and get that done. Be nice to us. Remember, we made System Mastery. <laughs> Remember, tweens, we are your idols, System Mastery. <laughs> Pretend we're your YouTube celebrities. <laughs> like, uh, like, I don't know, um, like... Randy Quaid, Randy Pete Peteness, Ran- Randy Peteness. I'm guess. I, I mean, John. If I put a gun to your head and said, "Hey, John, Randy Peteness is definitely a YouTube celebrity," I would. Uh, I would say probably not. No, you don't think so? No, probably not. Well, what do you think? What do you think? So, uh, the annoying Je- Jeb. <laughs> there might be an annoying Jeb out there. <laughs> it may just be someone who's put compilations of Jeb Bush together, but you know. <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about YouTube. <laughs> That's sad. I'm sad you don't know anything about YouTube. It's a vibrant culture. In fact, VidCon is going on while we're rec- we are recording this. Oh, is that all the people who comment on YouTube videos having a frank and honest discussion about race? Yeah, of course it is, obviously. Are they having an interesting relay race where they race to see who can be the first to comment RIP on dead people's like uh <laughs> YouTube songs? Yeah, and then the person who finishes first gets to say first. Yeah. They go like first RIP Prince on like the bat dance yeah okay just checking good you you figured it out all right (laughs) so the wizard is a movie about i don't know kids trying to play video games or something uh we watched what i remember we watched the trailer and it it is very like late 80s early 90s and that it's got that like narrative voiceover that is always made fun of now that like these two kids are trying to make their way and you're like wow this is not ironically used amazing with a little magic and maybe a little romance oh it's insane how much i'm like wow this isn't a parody no this is this is played straight 100 percent. so i don't know according to the trailer Fred Savage is playing a, a kid who, and I'm going to be honest with you, I thought Fred Savage was the wizard. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've seen this movie. I have, I have sat in a theater. I'm pretty sure, like when I was a little kid, and watched this. Yeah, I, I think I just rented it. Okay, 
but I, I, for the life of me, thought Fred Savage was the wizard. Is there anything he's in where he's the main character? Uh, the Wonder Years? Other than, okay, so the Wonder Years, but is there any movie he's in that he's not like a tertiary or secondary character in? Uh, I mean, granted, he probably, I'm guessing, actually stars in this, and the kid who's the wizard is not like, he does, probably doesn't talk much. <laughs> Well, all of the lines we get in this movie, like everything that gets spoken is Fred Savage and then like one line from a girl. Yeah. Who, by the way, I think that was Jenny Lewis, like the singing celebrity type. Yeah, she can't lose. Yeah, yeah. Jenny Lewis can't lose. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, obviously. So, uh, <laughs> being that I've seen this before, I know that there are some predictions that I just can't make because I can sort of remember things that happened in this. Well, why don't we, let's do that now. Let's share the things we remember. Okay. The only thing I remember about this really is that it told me the secret to get the warp whistle in Super Mario 3. That was like, oh my God, because I lived in, you know, a time before the internet, mm -hmm. so I could just look up how to do things. And so seeing a movie go like, hey, here's a spoiler for how to get a weird thing in a video game. I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. I kind of remembered that, but I remembered it wrong. He knew the way to do it from, apparently, uh, from the movie. He remembers how to do it from using the, the raccoon tail in the, in the dungeon castle yeah. zone. But I thought that he remember, he knew, he shows you how to do it by doing that thing in Super Mario 3 where you duck for five seconds on a white block. Nah, man, that's then, a different one. And then you like fall back behind the stage, sort of. I That was what I thought he was. I, I remember thinking... For a long time, I've been thinking, oh, that's unfair. Fred Savage, the star of Wizard and the titular Wizard of Wizard, <laughs> uh, showed everyone how to uh, do the, the ducking to get a free warp whistle trick, and uh, and that's not cool. That's He shouldn't know how to do that. He'd never seen that game before. But now I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, Fred Savage doesn't star in this, huh. and he doesn't do the thing I remember. But anyway, the, the other things I remember about this are uh, a kid who wears the power glove. Yeah, of course, the, the famous... Power Glove is so bad. Yeah, yeah, the Power Glove, it's so bad, which has become kind of an ironic thing because the Power Glove, in, it, glove is indeed quite bad. Yeah, it is terrible. It's not a good peripheral. Yeah. Um, and then also I remember the girl character screaming. She does a very high-pitched E, and then she says, he touched my breast. <laughs> and I, I remember that. that. that Only the E part of that made it into the trailer. So I'm kind of I'm looking forward to seeing that line again. Good. I don't even remember why she said it or who it's in relation to. I don't know if it's Fred Savage or what the deal is. But but she goes, eee, he touched my breast. Huh. Like she's uh -huh. delivering like super important evidence at a trial. <laughs> he I, touched my breast. I remind you, you're under oath. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> no, you're out of order. <laughs> this whole courtroom's out of order. He touched my breast. <laughs> Stenographer, read that back to me. <laughs> uh, he touched my breast. Thank you, stenographer. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay, so in the trailer, we learn that Fred Savage is Corey, uh, an overused 80s name if ever one there was. Yep, so they're trying to take his brother to a video game thing. So uh, I don't, I don't remember any plot points of this like literally at all all i can remember is the end of the movie i was gonna and say power glove based on the trailer it seems like a lot of this movie does not in fact take place at some kind of video game contest no it's it's like he's gotta get him to the thing and they, there's troubles along the way yeah, i think they even mentioned like two states during the trailer at one point i was like wow that's 
I had forgotten this was a road movie. I thought this was all video game contest. Yeah, I had no idea. So, so uh, predictions for this? Uh, well, God, anything I would have normally predicted, like, oh, Fred Savage and the girl have a little romance, is literally just done by the trailer for me. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, I'm going to guess that there's a lot of video game noise in the in this movie that doesn't actually correlate to what's happening on screen, and that we're going to see a lot of characters wildly flapping around at, at controllers, but not actually playing video games. Like, they're just, you know how you see that in early video game movies where characters get their hands on a controller and they're just like, flippity, flappity, flippity. And it, like, just mashing buttons yeah. as hard as possible. It just, uh, you, you see the controller like fly out of their hands and they catch it, they keep playing it. I mean, you still see that to this day. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same controller. thing like anyone wants to show a hacking scene. Yeah. And also, it, uh, very common, you'll see, uh, oh, uh, they'll show a video game, like a modern, these days at least, they'll be like two guys playing Call of Duty. But it'll be making like Pac-Man noises <laughs> because otherwise it doesn't resonate with the audience who has to be. Well, video games make beepity boopities. <laughs> it's got to make some beep boops. Got to get more beepity boopities in there. Yeah. So, that, that, but I don't think that's going to be the case in this one because a, a heavy part of the trailer is you get to see Double Dragon being played. You get to see Super Mario Brothers three being played. Yeah. It really promises hot video game being played action. <laughs> Uh, so, I don't know. That's my first prediction. Flippity-flappity controllers. What do you got? Great. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say... I don't... Man, I don't even know. There's, like, some guy in the trailer that is supposed to be finding them that I assume is the bad guy in this. Yeah. So, we got anything you want to say about him any, other than he's the bad guy in this? Like, I don't... I have no idea. Like, it's so generic to me that I can't... Yeah. Like, my prediction of shenanigans happen is not really a prediction. All right, I'm going to put in one more. I'm going to say that that uh, I, there's a lot of shots of the two of them walking along dirt roads, and I noticed that everywhere that Fred Savage walks, he is also carrying a skateboard. So I'm going to guess we never see the skateboard in operation. Uh, all right, well, you know what? I'll go ahead and say they use it once, and it's going to be for some dumb climactic action scene where he's like, we've got to launch over that truck or else... Old man shenanigans is going to catch us and bring us back home. Okay, good prediction. There we go. You got anything else or are we good to go? No, I think we're good. Let's go ahead and watch this dumb crap and then come back and tell you all about it. have returned we are victorious we are, are the, we we are the grand winners of video game armageddon oh yeah man if the movie starred that guy instead of like the three kids yeah man if it starred like off-brand willem dafoe who has to what if his what if he has like an empty hollow life and the only thing that keeps him going is yelling about video games yeah that's he's, that's a story i want to hear <laughs> he's so what he's the J. Jonah Jameson of video games? Yeah, yeah, he he uh, he doesn't really care about video games. I need games. kids, kids playing video games. <laughs> but man, that's like this guy at the end who actually, who like MCs the big video game contest that anchors this movie has the Willem Dafoeiest voice. He also kind of sounds like uh, Christopher Lloyd in Food Fight. Yeah, or a little tiny bit of Jeremy Irons in there. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little air Irons. You know, old gravel guys. Yeah. Like, that's what they wanted for their video game contest. This guy was like, yeah, what I need is kids. All right, you kids, get on up here for video game Armageddon. Whoa, no, I'm not going near that guy. <laughs> Whoa there. 
Shouldn't you have a restraining order and on a you windowless or something? Van. <laughs> God, he's anyway. So, so the wizard is the story of an autistic kid. Yeah, a kid who has autism in a time before they had that word. I guess. Yeah, like I. Although I don't... let's let's face it, he has like adolescence onset at autism. That he he gets autism because a family member dies. Well, we don't even know that. Like. They never say, oh, yeah, before that happened, he was always running around, jumping and talking to people. Well, they do say he's been getting worse. Yeah. Like, he's getting worse ever since his sister died. He used to talk, and now all he says is California. Yeah, but, I mean, the we get introduced to the young titular wizard. Yeah, the, the titular wizard, a little kid named Jimmy. And, and the intro of the movie, which is him walking along a dirt road. And then, you know, some cops find him and bring him home, but... We find out that, like, when we sh- see him again, he's just building stacks of things out of, like, Duplos. Like, oh, all he does is build these these little monuments, and I'm sure it means something. And, oh, all he does is stare off and try and say one word, and he's doesn't make eye contact or talk to anyone. And I'm like, oh, this is an autistic kid. Like, that's that's just what is going on here. Yeah, he's a nonviolent, very non-reactive autistic kid. Yeah, um, but, except they never say that. Well, no, they, they don't. They, he's special instead. He's special or he's worrisome. Or he's shy. Or he's deteriorating. The thing about the buildings, it was an, um, amusing to me because there was a lady, at, he gets dragged into some like office and it's like a, a, a child care office adjacent to his stepfather's office, I think. I can't tell what the hell his stepfather is. He's like the mayor of town or something. He is Mr. Importantman, and Mr. he's got a job. Mr. Bateman Man. <laughs> and and so the little kid's in there building with Duplos, like building the only thing you can build with Duplos, which is stacks of Duplos. <laughs> and, and there's a lady in there, like some child psychologist, who's like, I find that he's building these towers fascinating. I wonder what they're of. It seems like it has some significance. I've never seen anyone play with Duplos before, I guess. <laughs> I have no idea how this works. <laughs> uh, anyway, they decide for the it's for his own good to put him into a home. Oh, no. So they send him off, and we, we kind of learn that it's not Mr. Important Businessman's actual son. Like, uh, we cut to the next, like family that is apparently related to him he's like a half brother of uh fucking yeah they're half fred savage yeah he's he's fred savage's half brother and he's also in someone who we didn't see in the trailer christian slater's half brother oh man the fact that christian slater in it was in this was amazing to me i i completely forgot that i I just blanked on it i was like oh man i thought i had remembered all of christian slater's greatest hits yeah and Christian Slater's in this movie to play the exact same role that Josh Brolin plays in Goonies, which is the really nice older brother who, because of the point of view of the movie, is perceived early on to be a bad guy. Yeah. He's like, he's like, no, you're my big brother, so you only care about yourself. And he's like, no, man, I actually really like you. Yeah, like he comes out to see Fred after he's, well, I don't know why I keep calling him Fred. That's not the character's the name. The character's name's Corey, but let's yeah. face it, there's no way that kid grew up in that town. There's no way he's not Fred Savage. Everyone else in that place has, the, so the, it's a three-person family living there. So you've got Christian Slater, who grew up wherever the fuck Jack Nicholson's are made. <laughs> and you've got uh, Bo Bridges. You got them Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges, Bo Problems. <laughs> so Bo Bridges, who actually manages to put on a, a convincing rural Utah accent, 
And then you've got Fred Savage, who was a little walking Chicago. Yeah. And so the three of them in a house are like, no, none of you are related. This, this is dumb. This makes no sense whatsoever. But even then, like... Fucking so Fred Savage runs out of the house after he finds out that his half brother is in a home and he's all upset. Yeah. And Christian Slater comes out and goes, Hey man, why don't we go get some ice cream? We'll talk about what's going on. He's being a really nice older brother. Yeah. And his reaction is just, No, you only care about yourself. He's like, What? What would someone who only cares about himself come out here and say, Let's talk about the problem? Like, that is demonstrably not true. I just attempted to do something for you. I would love to see what would happen if Fred Savage was right in this situation. Like like uh Christian Slater drives him off to get him some ice cream, sits him down, and then just starts looking in a mirror. Like, all right, what do you think about this situation? Me. So that's all it doesn't add up, Fred. You're just being a little dick. But that is going to be another one of those things that is my favorite thing to note in movies like this, is that everyone is an asshole. Oh, yeah. This movie is definitely... Well, no. I'm, I mean... Yo, you're right. No. Just about everyone in this movie is everyone an asshole. Everyone except for the little autistic kid who's just sort of getting manipulated by Fred Savage is an asshole. Yeah. Because Fred Savage's first thought, like first thought he has, uh, he, his brother and his dad are fighting over drinking. Uh, because apparently Christian Slater's been stealing the car to go drinking at night. Or at least that's what his dad thinks. Yeah, I, I don't. there's no evidence of that. Christian Slater seems to be a model upstanding electrical engineer. And his dad's like, ah, you took the truck out. Ah, it's because you're up to no good. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm just I'm going out at night. Like, I'm, I'm a teenager. I'd like to see people. Ah, oh, you're drinking. Yeah, I, I see no evidence of it. My basic guess in this was that Christian Slater is gay, but growing up in rural Utah, you just don't say that. Yeah, it's the same thing like autistic. You just don't say that. Yeah, it's just not said. So anyway, uh, so the two of them are fighting about drinking, and Fred Savage is like, I've got an idea. I'll just kidnap that autistic kid and take him to California. That's what he's always saying. Yeah, he keeps saying California. I'm just going to take this kid who obviously has problems, just, I don't know, shove him in the back of a bread truck. Yes, so he grabs his skateboard and then walks over to... Fucking walks to the, the home. home that this kid is in. And, of course, this is one of those things that always drives me nuts about kid movies, is that they have to cast the things that kids don't like as if they're villains, even when they're not. So they get to this place for, like, this support community for autistic stu- uh, children, and it's cast as, like, a terrifying prison. Yeah, well, I mean, the, he goes walking past these rooms where kids are at, and they keep, like, creepily just turning to look at him. Yeah, they do, like, I kept a waiting for him stare. to have, like, some guy in a bear costume giving head to an old guy. Like, that's what I was yeah. waiting for. I was expecting one kid to be like, I am Napoleon! You know, as long as you're going to go ahead and insult crazy kids, you might as well just go whole hog, right? Yeah. So he finds his brother, and he's like, oh, I'm going to get you out of here. We're going to California. And he shoves him in the back of a hostess truck, Yeah, and they drive off. And to find them, now that they're missing, the important businessman and his wife, which used to be Bo Bridges' wife, but they got separated. They got separated. And after she had, the kid died. Y- oh, yeah, which is a big spoiler, by the way. For some reason, the movie really hides the fact that the Jimmy, the wizard character, had a twin sister. Yeah. Um, for, I don't know why that's secret information. Yeah, the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, and his sister died. You're like, you think that would be a thing you just say at the start why he's all, like, fucked up. But no, they're just going to let that be a thing that's weird. Yeah. So anyway, um, so the two of them head off to California. And because of J- Mr. Bateman, the bad guy new husband, 
is such a big bad guy, he hires a person to find Jimmy. And again, like I was saying, it's a kid movie. So this guy, this guy is a child recovery specialist. Yeah. It's like his job is to go out there and find runaway kids and bring them home, which if you think about it, has to be like the noblest job in the world. Yeah, I specialize in making sure that kids who have run away get returned to their parents. Yeah. All right. Awesome. That's that's exact. That's a good thing. That's a real. That's a noble thing because it can't pay as well as just being a regular private investigator. Nope. And but it's such a weird specialized field that it's got to be something that you mostly do pro bono because it's not like there's enough people who could pay you to look for their runaway kids. But instead, he is just a dog catcher type. You know, he's comically evil because the movie requires this guy to be a bad guy. Yeah, he just wants to go stop kids from having a good time. Yeah. Ugh. So weird. Anyway, he. He's like a bald, nebbishy, smaller looking. He looks like a Matthew McConaughey type, which I think is literally just because he's in a bolo tie. Yeah, that's it. That's the only reason. He looks absolutely nothing like Matthew McConaughey. He's just in a bolo tie, and so he has that glamour. Yeah, <laughs> just that little touch of McConaughey. Little bolo tie and ugly glasses will get you. Yeah. So Bo Bridges shows up with Christian Slater in tow, and they're like, "Hey, where these? Where'd our kids go?" And they're like, "We don't know. They're like eighty miles from here. We hired this guy to go find them." And then, so Bo Bridges is like, well, that's not good enough. I'm going to go drive out and look for him, too, in my truck. And I I love that, one, Bo Bridges is like, well, fuck it. I don't have anything else to do. I know you've hired a professional to do this, but I'm just going to go driving around. Well, you know, if you're a, if you're a scared dad, you you that that's understandable. Yeah. That, but then that, he's like, I'm also going to take my other son with me just because. Yeah, so they go on a long road trip together. But what amu- this is one of the most amazing things about this movie. When they get out to their car... The guy, and I can't remember his name, Putnam, I want to say. I think it's Putnam. Yeah. Putnam, the uh, the the kid catcher character, pops up next to them and is like, hey, so I don't get paid if I don't bring back the kids, so don't go look for your own son, okay? Thanks, bye. Yeah, which, ugh. I feel like at that point, they're like, hey, you just go back inside and be like, hey, uh, ex-wife, I know you're not a huge fan but your dude is literally trying to stop me from also looking for the kid. And I feel like maybe cast a wide net, right? You know, it doesn't hurt for me to go look for him. Do you think, would you be happier if I stayed here instead of driving around looking for him? Cause I kind of know him also maybe hire someone else. Cause apparently the guy you got to get your kid back is just a weasel- really cartoonishly weasley, just a weaselly douche. It doesn't seem yeah. like a good hire to me. He, he's like some kind of jerky penis. Yeah, some kind of cheesel t weenus, if you will. <laughs> but anyway, that happens. And now we're off. We've got everybody set up. Uh, Fred Savage and, and the Wizard are heading through rural, like, like uh, Utah. Utah. And meanwhile, the dad and uh, Sam is his name, by the way, Bo Bridges. And Christian Slater, whose character, as far as I'm concerned, is named Christian Slater. Yep. Are in a truck driving cross country. And so... Eventually, we get, uh, you know, Fred Savage and his little brother get to, like, a bus stop somewhere. Like, oh, okay. And on their way, they, they, they ruin one of my predictions. Oh, yes, that's true. They do. They, and yours as well, as far as they I'm They ruined concerned. both of our predictions because they use the skateboard, but not for anything. Yeah, they use it once in the whole movie. They spend their whole time walking, and then one time we see the two of them on the skateboard together going down a hill very slowly. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's a sort of, like, decline to this hill. All right, we'll use the skateboard so we don't have to walk as much. Yeah. 
That's all. That's and, and then the skateboard goes back into people's hands for the rest of the movie and is never used again. Yeah, never used for any regular mode of transport you'd use a skateboard for, nor for any rad tricks or ollies. Nope, nothing cool. So yeah, they end up at a bus station, and here we meet our final cast, major cast member. Yep, we get uh, Jenny Lewis. Yeah, and uh, her, her character name is uh, Haley, I think. I don't know. In, in I, sure I I think it's Haley. I only remember anyone in this movie by the actual actors that they are for some reason. Yeah. Well, I I can tell you for sure it's Haley, so we're fine. Great. Um, so uh he gets the uh he gets up there and he's like, "Oh, I, I want to get to California. How much is that?" Well, that'd be $300. All right. Well, I've got 27. Where can I go with that? Nowhere. All right, wonderful. While he's having this conversation though, his little brother is playing Double Dragon. Which, by the way, was my favorite part of this, because he's like, here, this is a video game. You know video games. Play the video game. And he puts him on an arcade that has Nintendo Double Dragon in it. And the kid, we get to watch him play that opening movie of Double Dragon. Yeah. You know, he's sitting there. He's Just like I said he would, he's sitting there going, wickety-wackety, but buttons, buttons, buttons. Oh, I'm moving the controller. Back and forth, back and forth. Buttons, buttons. And then it cuts to the screen, and it's that little shot of, like, the Abobo picking up the girl from Double Dragon and carrying her away. And I was like, oh, he's not even playing. He's doing what any six-year-old does when put near an arcade machine, pretending or thinking that they are playing it. Yes. <laughs> it's mashing buttons because that's a fun thing to do. Yeah, and looking at the screen and being like, I'm making these colors happen. That's me. Yeah. But uh, any, anyway, apparently he actually is playing it. Yeah, he does. And then Fred Savage is amazed to learn that he's gotten 50,000 points at Double Dragon, which... Uh, who cares? Yeah, I, uh, this is a world where everyone is concerned with how many points you got in old Nintendo games. I've Okay, I'm going to go ahead and ask the audience this. When you were growing up, if you are of a certain age and you were playing, say, old Nintendo games or Super Nintendo, anything in the arcade or in your home, did you ever care about points? I only did if it was one of those games where I could put ass as my name on the three-letter windscreen the even then i wasn't you... counting i was i was just like oh look at that i got to do it no the only time you cared about points at all was when it was a, one of those games that that was the only metric so like pac-man yeah you games... care about points because that was the only metric you had yeah but a game like double dragon it's always oh what level did you get to yeah and so the fact that he's like oh my god i even looked at what the point screen was considering it's down in like the bottom right corner super tiny because it doesn't matter yeah we just included it because it's a thing you used to do with old games right every old game every nintendo game even if you don't think it had points has points yeah because the old games when you're talking about like galaga and pac-man and centipede those all the only thing that you could measure was points because yeah, it went on forever because there was no real good way to end those games no so so yeah they all just used a point system so you could track how well you did but and that just was a holdover into early nintendo and then all the way through sega genesis and super nintendo if you look closely you see the points yeah you'll be like oh i was playing mario and i didn't realize i stepped on a turtle and it gave me a hundred points for some reason yeah or uh i mean in mario you noticed because eventually it started giving you one-ups if you jumped on enough turtles yeah so it was like okay i know that there's points that i have to go on like eight turtles before they start giving one-ups and there's numbers that come up useless useless numbers those numbers are definitely not one-ups no so (laughs) he uh then ends up talking to the girl that was at the bus stop and betting her that uh his little brother can beat her score at double dragon and this will set up sort of the main plot for everything until we get to the main video game, which is that he is going to try and use his 
little brother's weird savant ability to play video games to shark people out of money, which is really weird because I can't imagine, A, anyone going like, yes, I would like to bet you money that you can beat a score of mine, and B, not immediately going, you're nine, I'm not actually giving you money. Yeah, that was that's a big part of it. Also, the first bet with Jenny Lewis, he didn't lay anything on the on the on the rail. He was just like, "Hey, my my little brother can beat you at Double Dragon," and she's like, "No, my score at Double Dragon's amazing." And he's like, "Well, you have a bus ticket. I'll bet that bus ticket he can beat your score." And she's never like, "What do I get?" Yeah, no, no she's like, she's like, "No, he can't. I'll totally take that bet. There's no bet. You just put shit you own up for nothing." Yeah, same thing with pretty much everything else that happens in this when they go to bet people. There's a later scene where they go into a, like, restaurant, and two, like, 50-year-old men are playing some game and being all like, I've got the best score, and they're being all macho about an arcade game, which, for the record, the, the game they are playing is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first Nintendo game. First Nintendo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not the first Nintendo game. No. The, but, yeah, that game is impossible and awful and not fun. So they go in there, and again, they have no money. They have nothing at this point. Yeah, they have $4. And so they walk in there, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to fucking shark these people. And then they end up having, like, hundreds of dollars after that. And I go, okay, again, A, you had nothing to gamble with. And B, if I'm a 50-year-old dude and a 13-year-old's like, I bet you $400 I can beat you at this game, and then they do, I go, Great, I'm not giving you $400, kid. Get the fuck out well, of here. Even then, and this is the other thing, is this is one of those movies where you were right, everyone's an asshole the whole way through, is that, you know, if a kid comes up and you, it, 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 that you've never seen before and you're in a small town Nevada, like little tiny nothing town, and some kid comes up and goes, hey, mister, I'll bet you my only $4 that my brother can beat you at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that you should be like, yeah, okay, kid, that seems like a good bet. Why don't you go first? I'm going to go make a quick phone call, <laughs> you know, to the police because a little kid is wandering around in here trying to trying to make money. I don't know why. That's not a good situation. <laughs> Instead, they just take the bet and pay out. Yeah, no, it's it's real terrible. So that continues to happen across a couple of towns. They make some money. They move their way across shit towns. And I oh, got to say, my favorite, though, is the girl who's like, oh, yeah, I know truckers. Because my, my dad taught me all about truckers, and I know about these people. And so they're sitting in the back of a truck, counting money. And the guy looks back, who is driving, and immediately pulls over and robs these children of $81 yeah. and leaves them on the side of the road to die in the middle of like the Utah-slash-Nevada desert. And he didn't see $81. He saw what she had in her hand, which was like $5. Yeah, he's he was just like, like oh, those like, kids actually have cash on them. Those kids have any amount of money at all? Well... Oh, that's that's murder-worthy right there. I'm straight going to leave these children to die because, boy howdy, that's going to buy me a Happy Meal. I know. It was it was amazing. He, he She was holding, like, $20 in dirty singles, and he sees it, and he does, like, Tex Avery wolf eyes. Yeah, he the, does that, like, double take... Wh- what? Money? Any amount of money at all? Oh, God. Yeah, which is, and again, real weird to me because I go, well, if you're the type of person that would do this for, like, any type of money at all, I'm amazed you aren't the type of person that also would just murder them. Yeah, or not let them in your truck in the first place. Yeah, I'm like, what kind of guy goes, 
oh, yeah, sure. I'll let three kids ride for free wherever. I don't mind. But they better be destitute. (laughs) If you have any money at all, though, that's mine and you're out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just very weird. So weird. So anyway, just because we might as well establish that she goes with them for the rest of the journey uh, in exchange for she's trying to get to Reno, I guess, because that's where her dad lives or something. And she's been wandering around on her own. But she also sees that uh, Jimmy is a wizard at video games and is like, oh, we're going to go to this contest where you can win $50,000. And if he wins and I help you get there, we're going to split the money. Yeah. And we might as well set up now that her character is terrible. Well, everyone's character is terrible, but but, yes. But they did the precocious and mean about it type girl character that you got in 80s and early 90s movies out of her. Oh, she's very Sundari. Yeah, she's basically Sarah from the land before time, walking around as a human. Oh, yeah. No, she is definitely the the friend that you've had since childhood in an anime that always punches you all the time. Yeah, she's the girl with short hair from the Goonies. Although, ultimately, she ended up being the best character in Goonies because she was just sort of bemused by the whole thing all the way through. <laughs> oh, what do you know? <laughs> the, I, God, who played her? She was such a great character. Yeah. And you know what was weird is that if she had wet hair and she looked exactly like Macaulay Culkin with wet hair. <laughs> Check it out sometime. It's true. Check it out. Yeah. Go, go to your local movie establishment. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So they, they have a little string of good and bad luck where they keep getting some money and then getting like robbed by truckers or... Or they run into some bikers and the bikers give them a ride. Yeah, and they're just going around. Now, the other little subplot that's going on right here is, of course, Putnam trying to find them, going around doing his best Terminator 2 impression of just being like, have you seen these kids? Have you seen them? And like... Menacing other children along the way. Yeah, just going into some arcade somewhere and be like, hey man, have you seen these kids? And the kid just goes, no, I haven't seen them. And then, like, grabbing him by the sleeve and be like, no, you take a look at these pictures. He has one hand on his sleeve and the other one on his neck. He puts his hand on the back of this kid's neck. He should have gotten thrown out immediately at that point. Yeah. But instead, the kid's like, no, no, I really haven't seen them. And if I had, I wouldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, uh, The other part of that subplot is that even though they are driving through shitty, tiny, little nothing towns, he keeps running into the dad and brother characters. Yeah. and, And messing with them because he doesn't want... And again... This is an insane subplot. He doesn't want anyone else to find the kids because then he doesn't get paid. What the fuck situation is that where he agreed to look for the kids but entirely only gets paid if he finds them? Yeah. Set an hourly rate, you idiot. No. Like, if that kid, say, ran away and you're like, okay, I'm going to go find that kid for you. And then, as a lot of runaways do, he then came back, say, the next day or something. I was hiding in the washing machine. Uh, I just was angry, and now I'm back. Yeah. The fact that he would show up and they go, nope, you get nothing. Our kid is back, and you didn't find him, so fuck off. Yeah. Just set an hourly rate or a, a lump sum in advance or something. You've set the worst, stupidest rules for how you get paid ever. Yeah. It's a kid's understanding of how of how a child finder would work. Yeah, and the uh, <laughs> the running gag between the dad and brother and this child finder is that every time they meet their cars get a little more messed up yeah, both because of their they keep cars. messing with each other so like at one point they're both in the same town and putnam just slashes the tires on the truck of the dad and the dad responds by getting a shovel out and beating up the front of putnam's car 
Like, all he does is smash out the headlights. Yeah, and, like, a little bit of the grill in the front. Which is weird, because it looks like he's reacting in anger and t- instead of, like, trying to stop Putnam's quest, you know? He's just like, oh, I'll show you. I'll smash your car up a tiny bit. Instead of being like, all right, I'm going to get you out of your car and get you to stop doing shit like this to us. Yeah, or, you know, immediately call up your ex-wife and be like, hey, you know that guy you hired? Uh, he straight just slashed my tires and told me to stop looking for your kid again. Yeah. By the way, we're in rural nowhere, uh, and our tires just got slashed by your guy. I think, seeing as how he doesn't have any money until you pay him, I feel like you're probably fiscally responsible for this guy while he works for you. So, uh, yeah, Wells okay. Fargo or I don't know, whatever. How we doing this? How do they transfer money in 1989? <laughs> <laughs> DARPA PayPal? <laughs> yeah. That's it's it. It's Dar PayPal. Send, send a pigeon. <laughs> send one of them cyberspace pigeons to me. <laughs> get get the Pony Express out here. <laughs> so that keeps happening, and it culminates in they have a car fight where, where the dad character, Bo, or Sam, played by Bo Bridges, rams into Putnam's car a bunch of times. Yeah, they ram into each other's cars. Like, he sees him, and he, like, swipes the back of his car, and then they, like, ram into each other, and... Putnam manages to get away because, I guess, he slammed the back of his car into the front of Sam's car, so the engine on the truck is messed up, and Putnam's car just looks like the entire rear end got slashed in. And then that leads to Putnam finding them at a random diner in the literal middle of nowhere, and hiring the only tow truck driver in town to tow their truck away. And they see it happening. They see the tow truck driver taking the truck away. And instead of being like, oh, let me just go back in there and ask who the tow truck driver in this shithole town is and then call his boss and get him fired. Yeah, or because call Putnam, the police. Putnam just straight up goes, hey, man, you want to make 50 bucks? And when they go find the truck, the guy's like, oh, I, I just thought it was a wreck and I was towing it away. No bullshit. You just took that because a guy told you to. Yeah. No one calls the police in this situation. Yeah. Not, none of that happens. Instead, it's just uh, this. It's all hijinks and shenanigans. Yeah, it's uh, real weird. It's a weird situation. Yeah. In in, in the meantime, basically, uh, the bo- the little kids keep running into various types of bully that they shouldn't be interacting with, and yet they do. This inevitably leads to uh, one of them managing to or rile up a couple of friends and go and catch the three kids who are hiding in an abandoned movie theater. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, you you kids, you tricked us and." Your your little brother's some kind of freak, and you we didn't want tell us our you money were back. Go- you didn't tell us you were good at video games, which, again, what if you're the type of person that would go find these kids in an abandoned movie theater, well, drive-in theater, yeah, and like rob them and take their stuff? You're the type of person that wouldn't have given the money in the first place. Yeah, it never would have happened. Although they do try to get it back in the restaurant, and the lady who doubts your commitment to sparkle motion was in there. Yeah, she it, certainly was. In a blink-and-you'll-miss-it line where she basically says, like, hey, you, get out of here or I'll call my husband to those three kids. Yeah. So they, they find them at the abandoned drive-in, and they take all their money again, and then they beat up Fred Savage uh, and scare the little uh, Jimmy... And then also take Fred Savage's hat. Yeah. Which is how the parents will eventually track him down because the kid's wearing what what is essentially his dad's business's hat. Yeah, so, meh. The, the kids then are, they get their low point in their hero's journey where they consider turning back. 
And then Jimmy says, I don't want to quit. And it's one of the only things he has said so far that hasn't been California. Yeah. And then they're both like, oh, okay, sure, let's go. Oh, my gosh, Jimmy, you talked, Jimmy, you talked. And so Jimmy, who has talked, convinces them to keep going. And then they make it to Reno after a montage. Well, we also have to get them with Power Glove Guy first. Oh, gosh, that's right. They find... Lucas. Lucas, a kid who apparently lives at an airport, a little rural airport, who knows all 97 Nintendo games and is good at all of them. Yeah, and he has a secret weapon, which is his power glove. Which, oh my gosh, can we talk briefly about that thing? Let's just talk briefly about the power glove if we can. Yeah, so the power glove was a peripheral introduced for the Nintendo in the in the late 80s. It is a glove you strap to your hand that has a bunch of buttons on the back that never actually did anything. It has like a numeric keypad yeah, on there. Yeah, it basically looks like you have a keyboard and then a little D-pad on there. Yes, and, and the Nintendo never really had any kind of support for all those extra buttons. But also it had a feature where it could feel your fingers moving and react accordingly on the screen. Now, the uh, commercials and what all of the promos and everything for this would have you believe is that by doing motions with the power glove, you would be able to control the things on the screen. So it, by driving like you were holding a steering wheel, you'd be able to drive a car. Or punching at the screen, you'd be able to make Little Mac punch. Put your hand into a gun motion, you can shoot. Yeah. That kind of thing. That was what everyone, every kid believed about the power glove. They were like, oh my god, I'm going to do any motion with this glove and the characters will do it. It's like I'm in the game. Yeah. The reality is that it didn't do anything. Like, if you wanted to press the A button, you flicked your index finger slightly. So the control of the power glove was, you don't have any, and you can't play anything with a power glove, and it's impossible, and don't try. It's a terrible peripheral. It is awful. I say this as one of the very... I never owned one personally, but I, I had a friend growing up who had one, and since my friend was was uh, paralyzed, I, he, he owned the power glove through his parents primarily so that he could watch other kids try and use it. Yeah. Uh, and so... We got to, I, I was over there to try it, and it just does nothing. No. It is not a real thing. It's, it's, it's a useless piece of crap. But in this movie, it does exactly what the fantasy was, in that you see Lucas playing one of those ch driving behind a car games from that yeah, era. it's like Road Rager. Yeah, or Pole Position, that kind of thing. And, uh, and you see him driving as if he's steering with his one hand. And, by the way, the one, it's the one time in this, this movie where they show someone playing a video game, and they are legitimately bad at it. Huh. Like, normally it's, oh, wow, that kid actually is doing a really good job of playing Ninja Gaiden. Or if he's supposed to be losing, you actually see him getting, you see Mario getting killed by turtles or whatever. But in this one, you you see him going, like, look at how good I am at RC Pro-Am or whatever the fuck. Oh, I keep accidentally hitting the other cars. I'm not <laughs> getting anywhere. I'm not getting any points. I probably shouldn't use a power glove. Yeah, but this, however... A uh, terrible display of being able to play a video game and a shitty peripheral is enough to make them all be intimidated, and Jimmy just doesn't want to play him. Yeah, doesn't want to play against him, just turns around and leaves. He also gets jealous of, uh, this is a scene of Jimmy getting jealous, because what happens when he's like, when Lucas turns around and says the movie's famous line, the power glove, it's so bad. He, um, it causes Fred Savage to put his arm around Haley, and say, okay, well, just keep the power gloves off her, okay, pal? In the first display of any kind of connection between the two of them or anything that wasn't just naked antagonism between them? Yeah, up until this point, the two of them have had not the worst relationship, but more like a working friendship. Yeah, at best. 
and it's confusing to everyone. She's confused. He's confused as to why he just did that. And also Jimmy is like, oh, no, he likes that girl instead of me. And so he leaves and starts building shit out of uh, empty popcorn containers. Yeah. So it it's very strange, and it is an oddly forced romance to go in there. Yeah, it really didn't need to be in the movie. Anyway, at this point, after they get beat up by the other bullies, they make their way to Reno, which is purportedly where Haley's dad is, but we never see him. Instead, we meet her friend Spanky, a truck driver. Yep. And uh, she she gives Spanky a couple of bucks and has him play some craps, and she shouts out the commands for what the craps to play are, or and, what the bets are. And being someone that knows craps, she starts out, and it's fine. It's decent advice. She's telling him to play the pass line. All right, that's fine. Play the pass line. That's a safe bet. Yeah. And then it goes to play the field, which, not the worst bet, but not a good one. Yeah. And then it goes to hard eight. Yeah. Once... Wants him to put the money that he has earned, which at this point is probably like, I don't know. Probably about 100 bucks. May, no, it has to be way less than that because they end up having 400 and the, oh, they, they won the, the hard two eight, fours, which is, yeah. which is the hard eight, is like a 32 to one payout. Yeah. And it is almost never anything that you would ever want to bet on. It well, is a like, dumb sucker bet. It's like betting on roulette in general. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's betting on roulette, and instead of going like, I'm going to bet this line of numbers or black or red, you're like, okay, 27, that's what I want. Yeah. It's the it's roulette the way you see roulette in movies. Yes. Where someone comes up and goes, 17 red, and then they win because it's a movie. Yeah. So anyway, she walks out and takes the 400 bucks, of which she gives Spanky 10, and he's like, wow, $10. Yeah. And, uh, and this leads to the training for video games montage sequence. <laughs> where, where we established that Lucas, who's until this point has been the rain man of video games, like when he plays Double Dragon, he doesn't even know what a video game is, but he's amazing at it. But apparently at this point, they, they switched to needing him to be trained at video games. So they have to call up the like Nintendo counselor helpline yeah, and go through every game. And I'm not sure what advice they're getting. No. Because the secrets of the Nintendo masters. Yeah, the, the guy on the other line is sitting there with like, just binders full of all of these games that he's going through, and he's like, all right, what are, what's the first game you want to talk about? And they just start going, like, alphabetically through all of the Nintendo games. Yeah, Astianax and so on. But they're like, okay, I need to know about this. And they never say what he's telling them, but mm -hmm. I'm like, what What are you doing? You're like, hey, tr try not to get hit by projectiles. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe duck. What you need to do is jump over things that go low and duck under things that go high. Try to get points. Points are really important in this world. Make sure you get lots and lots of points. I, gu I guess that's what he's saying. And uh, also, this sequence features one of the very few times where the characters compare their lives to a video game in any way. Because Fred Savage all of a sudden launches into a story about how uh, how he's Link and, and Jenny Lewis is Zelda or something. I don't they know. They do a sudden Zelda reference. And it's the only time you hear any anyone talk about the video games is anything other than fun things to do. And... I love in this, and we, I mean, we saw it with Double Dragon, but it is apparently the world that they live in where arcade games that you go play are actually just Nintendo games. Yeah, there's one shot in this movie of the little kid practicing, and what he's practicing on is a regular arcade racing game. Like, all of a sudden, the graphics are 100 times better than the Nintendo graphics you've been seeing all the way through the movie, because it's in one of those Neo Geo cabinets from the late 80s. Yeah, but in... Every other time you see this and they're like, oh, we need to cut to a clip of whatever he's playing, it's always just 
the crap grainy screen of a Nintendo. Oh, yeah, and not just a Nintendo, but a Nintendo on someone's like RF adapter, early or late 80s black and white or, or barely color TV. Like you can see the, the screen moving up and down slightly as the game magnetically adjusts to the screen it's on. Yeah, it is real bad. They're like, nope, I'm playing this on an arcade machine. Yeah, so in, in any event, they, they spend a lot of time training in Reno to get Jimmy really good at video games, which leads to a lot of shots of Fred Savage shopping for stupid things and Jenny Lewis constantly on the phone with a Nintendo hotline. Yeah. Um, Putnam finds them there. and Which... Real weird. I know in movies there's the, oh, we happenstance, I found someone. Yeah. And usually it's, oh, we're walking on the same street or we we happen to be in the same shop. Now, he's been following these children, like, from arcade to arcade all the way down. He finally goes to Reno and is looking for them there. And the place that he finds Fred Savage in is the pool yeah, like well, he's, he's by poolside. For some reason, he's been bothering pit bosses. Yeah, he's like walking around on the casino floor going up to like the waitresses and the pit bosses and stuff and be like, have you seen these kids? And you're like, this is a casino. No, they haven't. Have you seen three nine-year-olds? Then again, what do I know about 80s casinos? <laughs> you know, like nowadays, casinos are super regular, super controlled. Maybe in the late 80s, kids, you could smoke in them. Kids, maybe kids were allowed. No, it was way worse. Because nowadays, they want to appeal to families. Uh, in like the late 80s, it would have been like, oh, are you in Circus Circus? No? Then get that child out of here. We want you gambling. Right. Well, in any event, he finds them. He shakes Fred Savage a little. And this is one of my favorite scenes, because he walks up to some lady. And he's like, have you seen these kids? I'm looking for these kids. And then he sees Fred Savage and grabs him and goes, I got you, a little snot. I hate you. And then the, the, the woman who's behind him goes, oh, hey, you'll find your other son in the arcade. Yeah. It's like, the, he is clearly not these kids' father. No. But anyway, he goes rushing off to the arcade, and this was the prediction that I remembered. The thing about this movie that I remembered at all, which is that... Uh, Haley, or Jenny Lewis, comes running in to try and stop him from stealing the little kid, and she does it by going, eee, he touched my breast, and points it at Putnam, and so Putnam is... Escorted uh, from the building. All, he do, all they do is pick him up and take him out, I guess, because that's, you know... Yep. This is not a world of police. No. It's, oh, well, we're the security guards for this casino, and I guess we'll just escort you out, and nothing else. That's the end of that. Go forth to a different casino and touch the little girl's breasts there. Goodbye, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, they get away from him, and then they convince Spanky to drive. Oh, no, it's not that yet. First, they have to go to Jenny Lewis's house, which is a trailer in the middle of Reno. Yeah, and... We get to kiss. Yeah, they... Again, the two of them kiss, and there's a scene where they kind of learn about each other, and... Oh, no, Putnam found him, and he grabbed little... little Jimmy, and he's going to run away with him. Goodbye, Jimmy. Yeah, and so she calls all the truckers. She uh, Haley calls all the truckers, and the truckers stop Putnam and punch him in the eye. Yep. And then again, also, they just leave him alone again. Yeah, they're like, they <laughs> they block him off on either side. Yeah. And for his, I don't know, I, I was going to say for his credit, but honestly, if four giant trucks stop you from going anywhere and Four huge dudes get out of it, and you're the size of some little schmuck like Putnam. And he gets out, and he's like, I want to see your information. I'm going to sue all of you. I'm like, no, man. If that happens, I am 
crying and in my car. Yeah, I'm not getting out of my car in that situation. I'm going to try and use my car as a weapon because it's my last resort. Yeah. That's that's what's going to happen. If four truckers are like, we're going to kill this guy on a mountain road, apparently. Apparently. Like, I'm, well, I'm going to try and run over at least one of you guys. That's my only recourse here. Yeah. I'm going to try and kill one of you before I die. <laughs> but no, he gets all stupid and tough and then they punch him in the face yeah because they believe the story about how he touched Haley's breast and then they get a ride to like directly to universal studios because that's where this competition is happening apparently apparently spanky does that by stealing his friend's truck it's like oh man i i gotta get this truck back they're gonna fire me from my job yeah so anyway, they make it into the competition, and this is the big meat of the movie. This is the part you remember. But you know, in the meantime, let's cover the subplots real quick. Uh, the truck that the dad and and Christian Slater are driving around in has been broken apart for parts by that evil tow truck company. Uh, so Christian Slater fixes it himself while his dad plays video games. Yeah, they uh, discover the love of video games while they're driving around. Yes, that is pretty much the entire story. Also, Christian Slater's dad won't talk to Christian Slater, which pisses him off. Yeah, was great. Like, he won't get into deep conversations with him. Okay. And so, uh, God, so they keep find- chasing after them, and eventually everyone's going to find everyone else at Universal Studios. Yeah, so- this ga- this movie seems like almost like it's a big commercial, and yet... Most of the time, they never say Nintendo by name. No, and also Universal Studios comes out looking terrible. Yeah, because everything that happens in Universal Studios is either one of the like Universal monsters is just sort of being a goofus yeah. and being like, oh, I'm going to go mess with some guy, or like the kids, when Putnam's chasing them, they're on the backlot tour, and they jump off in the middle of the King Kong thing and go running away. They don't stop the ride. No, the, the tour guide just kind of goes, hey, just just sit down and have fun, guys. Come on. And there's no security. Nothing happens. It's like, oh, what, is like a nine-year-old running around on the back lot? That's fine. Nothing to worry about. He won't get crushed to death by the King Kong machinery. No, this is this is fine. Also, there's some guy chasing after them that obviously they are scared of. I'm sure that's okay. That's normal. That happens all the time here at Universal Studios. By the way, uh, I will give a free shout-out to anyone. When they first get to Universal Studios, in the distance behind them, you can see a bizarre cartoon character costume bothering some children. It's like a weird, like, alternate universe horror Mickey Mouse. Yeah, it's like a Mickey Mouse if Mickey Mouse was fat and scary. If you can tell me what that thing is, I will give you a shout-out and a thanks on the show. <laughs> You'll have to watch the movie to see what I'm talking about. Or just, I don't know, Google the wizard, weird, creepy mouse at Universal. Yeah, whatever the hell that thing is. I'm getting, Maybe it's from, from uh, American Tail? I don't know. Something from American Tail? I don't know. It's a creepy, white-faced, terrifying mouse monster. Anyway, wouldn't you know it, Jimmy's really good at video games, so he makes it through the preliminary round, and then he makes it through the secondary round. And then Putnam starts chasing them, so they, they there's a big uh, fear that he won't make it to the final round. And the reason he's chase- being chased is because Lucas has shown up again yeah. with his magnificent waterfall of super hair. Oh, my God. Lucas's hair is like a wave cresting over his head. It is amazing. So Lucas basically tries to get them caught and thinks he's going to win because he- all he has to play against now is some random girl who came in third. And uh, instead, when a big wall opens up to reveal the secret game that no one has ever played before, which is... By the way, awesome. It's a really good game. Super Mario 3. 
Also, so good. That's a great little hook for your video game contest. Being able to say, yeah, the last game that these people are going to compete against is a game that isn't out yet. Has never been played before. Although no one likes it. All the kids involved are like, no, boo. Well, yeah, because they're like, oh, we've apparently trained for this. Yeah. So anyway, um, so sure enough, Jimmy's hiding behind the wall from Putnam. And so the three of them play Mario and then Jimmy loses a little and then he wins. Yep. Because even though it's supposed to be based off points, he ends up getting the warp whistle and like going ahead a level. Yeah, he goes to World 4, the one where everything's really big. Yeah, and I don't understand what's going on because that apparently gets him a ton of points. I don't think you've got a don't lot I of points like for that. you get the same points there. You jump on a turtle, you get 100 points. It doesn't matter what world you're in. If you're playing for points, you're playing for points. If you're playing to beat the game, then he already lost because he didn't get both warp whistles and jump right to World 9. <laughs> Well, even then, they're playing for like 15 minutes. Yeah. So if you're trying to go for who gets it farthest into the game, yeah. then great, he auto won. Yeah, he would. Although there's a uh, th- the speed players of that game usually beat it in like eight or nine minutes because you just use double warp, and then the only thing that stops you from beating it even faster is that a couple of the last Bowser levels are like well, yeah, you auto-scrolling. Have, yeah, you have to go on a few of the auto-scroll levels. Yeah. And I think I watched one that was the 11 perfect, like 11 minute perfect run of that, and it was insane. Yeah, it's incredible to watch. But that's not what Jimmy does. Jimmy gets his ass kicked a bunch and then just wins at the end because he needs to. Yep. And that's he, the end he, of that. He, when he gets to the end, he hits a star on that thing. By the way, at this point, Putnam has started cheering for him just because he knows that kid. He's like, yeah, that's a kid I know. Woo. Yay. He won. And that's the end you see of Putnam. You never see him again at that point. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he gets his money. There's no major come up and swarm or anything. He just switches sides in the middle of the contest. And that's, that's the end of that. Yeah. And then we get our denouement where it turns out that the reason that Jimmy wanted to go to California so bad is because when his twin sister, who drowned in a river apparently, was still alive, they went to a dinosaur, a concrete dinosaur monument here in, in California, and he has a picture of them all, of the whole family there being happy. And so he wants to take, he's got this little lunchbox that he's been carrying around the whole movie. Full of his sister's old stuff. So it's just pictures of her and things, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to leave this here at a place where I knew she was happy. Yeah. Although he doesn't say that, they have to explain it. Yes. Because he he's autistic and no one ever says it. And I don't know why it bothers me so much. Yeah. I, it, well, yeah, that's it's terrible. And then everyone drives off and that's the end of the movie and everyone's happy. You don't really think about like how that girl has to go back to her terrifying trailer home in, in Reno. They don't even mention that. No, she's just driving along with the family and you're like, what, did they adopt her now? What's what going happened? on here? What's this all about? They live, and her and Fred Savage look like they're supposed to be together at this point, but they live like 300 miles from each other, and they're kids in the 80s. Yeah, that's nothing. Nothing's happening. You're never seeing them again. No. So, that's the end of the movie. There you go. That's it. That's the wizard. Yeah. Okay, so... (laughs) So, I had one prediction right out of my two predictions, which is that anytime anyone touches a controller in this game, it is flibbity-flabbity, beep-beepity-boop-boop-boop. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's just nothing. They're not playing anything that doesn't reflect the screen in any way. Like, at one point, the dad is playing, uh, and he's you playing find Zelda. out, yeah, you find out he's playing Legend of Zelda, but he's sitting there doing the, like, swinging his arms around, playing, and just smashing as hard as he can. Like, dude, that's not how you play that game. No, Zelda's a pretty slow game, all things considered. Yeah, you you're pre- going to be like, okay, and okay yeah you're planning you're like all right i gotta move this way and then shoot the sword this way to kill that octorok then i gotta turn around shoot this way i'll get that like like before it gets my shield you know <laughs> he's it's you're planning you're thinking ahead when you're playing zelda you're not just flippity flabbity blabbity blab 
Yeah, maybe you don't just turn into Bill Cosby as soon as you start playing yeah. video games. I mean, maybe you are if you're playing like the Ocarina of Time because you're just doing anything you can to get a fuck away from Navi. But <laughs> Or, or trying to get away from Tingle, I guess. But in in the first Zelda, you're like, no, this is a this is a controlled game. Well, yeah, all the all the old Nintendo games, there was basically no point where you would be just jamming button mashing. No, unless it was one of those ones where you had to like press these buttons rapidly to inflate a balloon or something. No, Although, the only time you got to the real button mashing stuff was when you got fighting games on there. Yeah, and fighting games on the Nintendo were a joke. No, it was just like, what do you have? I have kick and punch. Yeah, you're playing like fucking Yar. Or Kung Fu, the legend. <laughs> Continues. Some, yeah, some, some very simple early fighting game. Uh, yeah, so there wasn't a whole lot of button mashing in those. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The, however, that, like, swinging your arms around, oh, yeah, that definitely happened when you were new to video games. Oh, gosh, yeah. And they do play one game that I remember as being fiendishly difficult for a little kid, and it, which is Mega Man 2. Oh, yeah. You get God, one, I love that game. You get one shot of the Airman stage. That game was basically treasure. <laughs> like, the music is amazing in Mega Man games. It is so hard to play Mega Man 2. It's, it's got all these things that you have you take for granted in Mega Man titles now are gone in that. You can't charge up your gun. You can't slide. You just run, jump, and shoot little beeps, and every once in a while you get to summon the rush. Oh, my God. The, uh, oh, not the rush in that either. It's just like elevators and shit. The, that game, the I think it was, what was it, like Gemini Man or something? Gemini Man's in 3, but sure. No, it was whatever the ice stage was in that. Just uh, in 2? Yeah. Uh, there's no ice stage. It's it's. Let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. You ready? Here we go. Okay. From the top, it's it's uh, Air Man, uh, Heat Man, Hard Man, Bubble Man, Quick Man, Clash Man. Uh, oh gosh, Flash Man, and then the last one is Frog Man. Frog Man. No, I'm sorry. I already oh, said him. It is Bubble Man. That's it's Metal bu- Man. It's it's Bubble Man and Metal Man. It's, there's, there's all eight. Yeah. Metal Man. Thank you. So there's no Ice Guy in two. No, it must have been probably Clash. Maybe Flash. Clash Man has the really, really good music. It's got the the. There's it was whichever one had the those blocks that appear vroom. and disappear. Yeah, yeah they the make vroom. that noise. Vroom. Yeah, that's that's Clash Man. Yeah, Clash Man stage, we couldn't beat. I was playing that with my friend really? for hours because oh, there was one jump that oh. we were trying to make and we could never do it. And my sister did it for me, and I was like, "You're a god." Oh my god, that's amazing. Because the only one that I had trouble with, and it's because it was going way too fast, was the laser st- part of Quick Man. Which I could do, I don't know why, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, and then you get to that Dr. Wily stage and all hell fucking breaks loose. <laughs> and, you, and you get to fight that stupid yellow thing that goes flying across the stage and do the perfect jumps to get away from it. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, there you go. That's us reminiscing. Old bad video games. About Mega Man 2, and I also liked Mega Man 3 just as much, I'll say it. Yeah. So good, so good. Anyway, treasure. So there you go. Uh, All right. Movie's over. So, bests and worsts of this, what is the best thing in The Wizard for you? Uh, some of the, the footage of old video games, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah, look at that. Airman stage, oh my best God. thing in the movie. They're playing fucking RC Pro-Am. They're playing Mario 2. I would love to play Mario 2 right now. That game's so weird, but it's so fun. Okay. So there you go. That's literally my favorite thing in this movie. And also, the part where he's describing, where Fred Savage is describing Legend of Zelda as a story and you realize he's actually describing Zelda 2, Link's Awakening, or whatever it is. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, this has got to be the only time in a movie where any... Where, first of all, that I recognize the difference based on the things he's saying about it. I'm like, oh no, he's talking about the sequel. Uh, <laughs> and then also that anyone would remember that very forgettable Zelda game. That's the side-scrolling one. All right. Yeah. And what was your favorite thing? Uh, best thing in this movie is probably going to be... I like the idea of there being a fifty thousand dollar 
uh, video oh, game tournament that you can just enter oh, yeah, as a nine-year-old walk yeah. by walking up to it. Yeah, just walking up to a, a very unusually extreme guy. That guy, they like pulled him out of being a carnival barker, apparently, to do the registration for this. Well, it's like the actor was like, this is my one break. This is my shot. I've gotta, I need to be as over the top as possible so people remember me. i, I got to be noticed. So, so when they get up to him, he's like, he's like, you, you're in the game. <laughs> he's like, what the hell is happening? Why is this guy doing that? Just, just take their signature and their five dollars. Uh, so yeah, they, <laughs> they get into there, and uh, that's that's it's one of the only things in there I'd say is that video game tournament because that guy was great, that, the, the and the announcer was, was great. great. Yeah, the announcer is is basically awesome. Yeah, so <laughs> the weird like Jeremy Irons-esque guy who's like, all right, children, be prepared. Come to me, my pretties. Come to me to play Nintendo. <laughs> You're like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no one get up on stage with that man. <laughs> Calm, whoa. That, that man is definitely going to try and kill Spider-Man. That man starred in Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so worst thing? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going to say that this movie actually has the false rape thing in it. Yeah, God, that was bad. Yeah. What a horrible thing to teach kids to do. <laughs> yep. I just... And it happens in a surprising amount of those, like, 80s, early 90s kids movies. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, because back then it wasn't such a like a hot topic. I mean, race, rape just happened in the background and everyone shoved it under the radar because it was a horrible world to live in. So it was literally just a comedy bit for someone to go like, he raped me. And you know why? Because the worst thing that was going to happen is you get thrown out of the building by some goons. Yeah. Like in the kids' movies, there'd be all the time be like, oh, he's a pervert. He showed me his penis. And then they'd be like, oh, you? Yeah. And they'd run him out of whatever building. And you're like, oh, don't. Oh, watching it now is so awful. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's not cool. It's a terrible thing. So that... That's a horrible thing to have in this movie, and it just made me uncomfortable to see it at all. Yeah. Man, you, you took that. Now I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I shouldn't have taken away the one good thing. Okay, so worst thing outside of that Oh, for I, me. I already know what yours is, by the way. It should be the fact that they never say the word autism. Probably. It pissed me off. I don't know why it pissed me off so much that they just never said, like, yeah, he's autistic. And I'm, I'm sure it's because it was late 80s and no one was really saying that very much I, I think it's because ultimately this movie's going to have this problem where you know at the end of the movie the little jimmy kid gets to put his lunchbox in the giant dinosaur statue and as a little kid you're supposed to be like yay he did what he needed to now he's going to turn into a regular kid well i think you're supposed to be like oh man i wish i was amazing at all the video games like jimmy is and oh he just wants to do something nice and i i, I mean i guess they kind of want him to be Sort of that tabula rasa, like blank yeah. slate for, but you oh, know, I can project anything onto him. But you know, when he gets back to fucking nowhere, Utah, he's going back in that home. Yeah, no, he's going to get back, and even if he's better, he's still going to just not be able to function in society. Yeah, it, he's, it, he's, this isn't a cure of a movie. No. He's not better now. He's still an autistic kid, and I think the movie doesn't play that up appropriately. They just have him go, yay, I got to put my box in this dinosaur. I did it. Yay. But and even then, then, he doesn't do that. He's just very quietly, like, he sits there, and he kind of puts it down and looks at them. Yeah. And, like, and then he hugs his dad. Yeah. Great. And, that, and that's the end of that. And you're like, as a kid, I think you're supposed to be like, yay, he's better. He's not better. No. And I, I don't know why that pissed me off so much, but yeah. there you go. Okay. That's a fair thing. The fact that this movie has a kind of- Papers warm. over that. It's yeah. the same thing for the, the like, 
uh, weird molestation thing where you're like, oh, you're really just papering over an actual issue. Yeah, a horrifying thing. You should just... Bleh. Yeah, so there you go. Weird crap in old 80s and 90s movies. Yeah, no getting around it. And uh, now Fred's let's let's go ahead and, and do our ratings. We're going to do the one to five for both of us. Give us the rating out of ten. Jeff? I'm going to give this a two and a half. I was moderately entertained most of the way through it. There is way too much uh, montage sequences of the kids wandering around the desert of Nevada. Uh, they start. They say this movie set in Utah, but it's never filmed in Utah. It's always either northern. I would say it's all just California. It's almost honestly. entirely California, but we know it's. They actually did use Reno. Yeah. So they might as well have done some outlying shots in the Reno Desert. We don't know for sure. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just there's way too much of that. But otherwise, there are some funny things, and ultimately, I really did enjoy watching old video game footage, and that's all I cared about. <laughs> Uh, all right. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, you also get, if we had a chance to do our second least favorite thing, there's one sequence of Christian Slater delivering some scathing insult to the evil stepdad character where he's like, you know, man, I always thought you were kind of a jerk, but now I know it's really all about the money, man. You're just like, man, did Christian Slater's entire career ride on the fact that he had to deliver these wicked burns to people who, because they are in movies, can't just tell him to shut up or walk away from him? <laughs> we has to be like, hey, man. People are like, uh, I'm just going to leave. I, I know it takes you a long fucking time to say anything, so I'll just be going away from you while you say whatever it is you were going to say. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I, I gave it a 2.5. There you go. Uh, I'm, I, I think I'm only going to give it a 2. I... I was not as entertained as I thought I would be. Mm -hmm. I kind of remembered as a kid being more into that movie. I was like, oh, yeah, that was interesting. I think those brief shots of video games being played is all you need when you're a little kid. Because you're like, Probably. oh, man, any amount of Nintendo is, is amazing. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, man, video games are getting played. And there's the fantasy that maybe I could get $50,000 for playing video games. Yeah. Or and, hey, I learned a new thing about a video game. Yeah. that was. I think as a little kid, that stuff would have sold me very much more than it does. Because I remember being a little kid having a Nintendo, my parents putting rules on gameplay that make no sense to me on, on Earth. Like, you can play the Nintendo for half an hour. And I'm like, what can you do in any Nintendo game in half an hour? <laughs> well, that depends. Do you have save codes? No. Well, yeah, that's the only thing you get a bunch of, oh, I have a bunch of little pictures of Metal Man heads, and i got to remember the order they go in. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, this, and, and again, no internet, so you can't just look them up. Yeah. Boy, that was that, that was the... The only code I remember at all as a kid about video games was the one for Kid Icarus. Huh. Uh, because if you put... You know, well, there's two of them. There's one that you could put into the Metroid that would put yeah, her in the Yeah, and then there was Metroid. That was Justin Bailey, and then the bottom line, because it was a 16-digit code, or I guess whatever four sevens is, 28-digit uh, code, was just dashes. So Justin Bailey and then four, two rows of seven dashes. And then the other one was in Kid Icarus. You could, you could skip to the last stage and get all your powers, and it was Icarus Fights Medusa Angels. Huh. Again, on a on a uh, six-digit, four-block code screen. And I th that'll never leave my head. That's in there forever. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember at one point I had the code to go to Mike Tyson memorized for Mike Tyson's punch-out. because that's, that's not some cheapy No, no, that's like 908B. Yeah, yeah that's, some no that's some crazy nonsense. Fucking remember that shit when, it, when memory cards didn't exist yet, so they had to use that code stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is some weird ways to learn uh, number theory as a little kid. Yep. So that is just super crazy. Well, there you go. Two. A two. Yep. So four and a half overall. Not, uh, not, not great. Not that hot. Not the worst, though, but not great. No. 
Yeah, well, there you go. I'm so, sorry, uh, I have no idea who recommended this movie to us, so whoever you are, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. I, I'm not even being super sarcastic. It was, it was sort of interesting to watch a movie again that I had watched as a kid and could not remember. It was nice to peel the rose tint off the glasses, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's other movies where I'm going to go do that now and feel just even worse. <laughs> Maybe we could watch an episode of Denver, The Last Dinosaur. Maybe. Yeah, something. So, there you go. That has been the Movie Mastery for the week. Thank you so much for listening. And, of course, you can suggest movies to us if you want. We've got the big movie list on our website, systemmasterypodcast.com. You can go there and recommend something. Leave those in the comments. That's a great way to do it because I have to edit them while I'm on that page. Yeah. There's no chance they'll get lost. Because if you recommend it to us on uh, Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. Well, especially Twitter. Twitter moves too fast. It's hard for me to find them again. Yeah, so... If you do that, you can always hashtag it as Movie Mastery. It makes it a little e- easier to yeah, find. But ultimately, I would recommend you email them to us, leave us, leave them as comments on the big list, or find a way to put a uh, Movie Mastery thread up on the new subreddit that we have. Yep, so we've got a subreddit on r slash System Mastery. You can go there, and we'll make a thread for movies to suggest there as well. No, you do it. You guys do that. Yeah, you do it. Yeah, one of you guys do that. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't your slave. I ain't going to do this. I ain't your monkey dancing for you. Listen, man. Man. Okay, well, I'm going to (laughs) leave. So thank you so much. And, of course, you can support us on Patreon. Because of the support we've got, we're able to do the in-theaters now. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up that's only because we get support from people like you. That's actually and true. we got a big live episode, or a Let's Play episode coming up real soon that we only managed to afford that trip because of people who support us on Patreon. Yeah, so we get content because you guys enjoy us, and we appreciate that. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for listening, and until next time, have a wonderful week. <laughs> <laughs>